On the night of January 18th, 2016, so just this past January, Jamie Foxx, the actor, was in his house in California enjoying his evening when all of a sudden he heard a loud crash. He looked out the window and what did he see at the end of his driveway? A car had flipped over and a man was trapped in his car. And so without hesitation, uh, Jamie Foxx, he, he ran outside, and there was another bystander there who, who realized that the man was trapped. And so they quickly uh, dove into the car window, got the man loose, and pulled him free. Moments later, the car burst into flames. They just got him out in time. He did something that he did on the, TV, on the movie screens all the time in real life. He was a real hero. And he was willing to risk anything, even his life, to get that man out. Turns out what happened was the, the man had been, his name was Kyle, had been driving drunk, and he hit the curb, and he flew over and landed on top of the car and got trapped. Later on at the hospital, <coughs> Kyle's dad was being interviewed by uh, the news crew and everyone, and he said, I don't care who you are, or what you do. The fact that someone would do that for my son, that's amazing. Jamie Foxx, real life hero. Have you ever fantasized about being the hero? Maybe Joe, maybe you don't fantasize about it because you do things like that all the time, being a firefighter. And I'm sure Alan has uh, saved people's lives as well, being a police officer. But for the rest of us, it's just in our fantasies, isn't it? Maybe not so much anymore. Maybe we don't want to be in a situation where we can be the hero. But maybe when we were younger, we played it out in our heads like a movie scene. We're sitting outside at the coffee shop or we're sitting in our office and something bad happens. And you, can, you see it perfectly. Something bad happens and boom, you go into action. You risk it all just to save everybody. We all have kind of a hero complex inside of us, don't we? We all sometimes want to be the hero. Did you know that every day you have that chance? You have that opportunity to be that hero. We're in the series God and We. God is sending us out on a mission to seek and to save the lost. God literally sends us out to grab people out of the fires of hell and bring them into the safe arms of Jesus. That's what He calls us to do. And so the question is, what are we willing to do to save people? What are we willing to do to grab those people and bring them to the safe arms of Jesus? Do we have a sense of urgency about it? Do we find ourselves not even really being concerned about it? Do we not even really care? Now, I can't answer any of those questions for you. You would have to determine that for yourself, and you're going to have the opportunity right now. On your worship folder, you have a scale of 1 to 10. And you're going to be able to rate yourself... How, on a scale of 1 to 10, how passionate are you about seeking and saving the lost? Now, before you circle a number, let me explain, because we all want to circle 10, don't we? We all want to say, yeah, I'm passionate about it. But let me explain what a 10 is, and let me explain what a 1 is. A 10 
is you invited someone to church last week and brought them. Someone who doesn't know Jesus. A 10 is you brought someone who doesn't know Jesus to church today. A 10 is you already have someone lined up who you're going to ask and invite next week. And during those weeks, you're not just uh, asking them, you're praying for them. Maybe you're praying with them. You're talking to them about Jesus. That's a 10. A 1 is the opposite end. You've never talked to anybody about Jesus. You've never invited anybody to church. You've never even really prayed for, for someone who doesn't know Jesus. You've never asked God to send His Holy Spirit into their heart to create faith. You don't really concern yourself with other people's lives, and you honestly don't really care if they believe in Jesus or not. That would be a one. So now you can take a moment and circle where you think you're at. Again, this is just for you. You don't have to turn it in. You don't have to show anybody. This is just for you so you can be honest with yourself. This morning, we are looking at four men who would do absolutely anything to get their friend to Jesus. We're in Mark chapter 2. Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books of the Bible we call the Gospel, the good news of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 2, we see Jesus just barely into His earthly ministry. He's about six months in, not quite a year. And He's gained a ton of popularity. He had just got done healing somebody of leprosy, and He comes back to His hometown of Capernaum. Capernaum was just on the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee, and it was Jesus' home town, so to speak, His home mission town. He would go out on mission trips and always come back to Capernaum. And Jesus comes back to Capernaum, and the, the town goes nuts. And here's what happens. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people, that, the people heard that He had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And He preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to Him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get Him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say? Or which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything 
like this. Jesus was already gaining a ton of popularity. He's in someone's house, and we're told that the house was so packed that the line of people were out the door. Imagine that. They didn't have windows or anything like glass windows. So the way I picture it is the house is completely full. The line is going outside the door and people are lined up around the house listening into the opening for a window just to hear Jesus. And what's He doing? He's preaching God's Word. He's preaching God's Word to them. And four men, four men come carrying their paralyzed friend. And what do they see? The house is full. The house is full, so packed that they're not going to push through this crowd. And say, so what did they what they did was they walked around the house to the stairs or the ladder. Because every house had one of those. At this time, all the roofs were flat. And they were made of branches. They would lay branches down, then they put mud on top and clay, and actually a lot of times grass would grow up on top of there. And what families would do during the summer times is they would go up and actually sleep on the roof because it gets so hot in the house that there'd be no breeze. But at least on top of the house, there'd be a breeze. So these four men go along the side of the house, carry their friend up, and then they start digging through the mud and the clay and the grass and the twigs, until they can finally lower their friend down to Jesus. Imagine being one of those people in that house. You were listening to Jesus preach, when all of a sudden a piece of dirt falls on your head. Then a twig, and then you look up and you see the roof is kind of moving. And all of a sudden you see a man's face looking down on you. The hole gets bigger and bigger until finally they can lower the guy down right by Jesus. The house goes silent. All eyes are on Jesus, who's looking down at this man, and the man is looking back up at Jesus. Everyone's waiting for Jesus to speak, and what does He say? Son, your sins are forgiven. You think the man was disappointed? You think it was a little bit of a letdown? He's lying before Jesus, the healer. Word has gone around that He's healed leprosy. The skin disease that turns your skin completely white, where your tip of your nose will fall off, your ears will fall off. Jesus healed people who had that disease, and there was no cure at the time. Jesus was healing everyone, and here this man is lying before Jesus, and all He says is, your sins are forgiven. What was Jesus doing? Everyone in the room knew what the man needed. Everyone knew the man needed his legs back and Jesus could do it. Everyone, Jamie Foxx, knew what the man needed who was trapped in his car. He needed to be yanked out of the car. You know what your friends need. Your friends need marriage fixing. Your your friends need financial help. Your friends need, you name it. Health issues. They need to be healed. That's what everyone thinks. And yet Jesus touches on the greatest need that that man had. And the greatest need that you and I have. It's forgiveness of sins. 
It was common to think during that time that someone like this man was paralyzed because of a sin that either he committed or his parents committed. And God was now punishing that man. That was common thinking during that time. Even Jesus' disciples fell into that thinking. But the man wasn't paralyzed because God was punishing him for sin. Why was the man in the position he was in? Because he lives in a sinful world. It was an effect of sin, right? Sin living in his heart, sin living and active in the world. Why do you have relationship problems? Why do you have financial problems? Why do you have health issues? It's because we live in a sinful world and sin is living and active, not just out there, but even in here. And Jesus knows what our greatest need is and what this man's greatest need was. And it's forgiveness of sins. Did that mean that Jesus didn't care about this man's physical situation? No. He heals him. He ends up healing him. Does that mean... And Jesus cares also about your marriage problems, about your health issues, about your financial situations. He cares all about that. And yet, what does He ultimately care about? Our spiritual matters. Because this body is going to die someday. And even if we live until Jesus comes back, we're going to get a new body. The body is going to be replaced, but the soul is going to live forever. And Jesus wants to grasp that soul, your soul, out of the fires of hell and bring you into His safe and loving arms. And that's what He came to do, isn't it? He was announcing to that man, your sins are forgiven because I am here. Because I'm living. And I'm living perfectly for you. I'm here and in just a few short years, I'm going to be on the cross paying for all of your sins. I'm going to rise from the dead so that you too will rise. I've come to announce forgiveness of sins. And that's what God wants you to know this morning. You are not trapped by your sins. You are not trapped by a guilty conscience. Your sins are forgiven because of Jesus. Heaven is open wide. But what happens? There's some pastors in the crowd, some who work in the theology department, and they think to themselves, now hang on a second, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And they're right. Only God can forgive sins. But what they fail to recognize is that Jesus is God. And Jesus calls them out. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier for me to say? Son, your sins are forgiven. Or is it easier to say to him, get up, take your mat and walk? The obvious answer is, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. You can't verify that. If Jesus says, get up, take your mat and walk, and the guy's still laying there ten minutes later, Jesus has a bit of a problem. And so Jesus says, but I want you to know. I want you to know that I have authority to forgive sins. So here, get up, take your mat, and walk. And he does. No rehab. Nothing. The man just got up and walked like he'd been doing it his whole life. I wonder if that man came back here today, if he came down from heaven, 
what he would say about that day. I wonder if it would be something like this. Man, what a day that was. You know, I went, I went to Jesus that day and I had my friends carry me and I was hoping to get my legs back. I wanted to walk. But I left with so much more. I left with my sins forgiven. And because my sins are forgiven, I stand by my Savior's side every day in paradise with a body that has nothing compared to the body that I had on earth. It's far better. If I could go back and and I had to choose between uh, being healed physically or having my sins forgiven, I would choose sins forgiven every time because I stand by my Savior. And it's all because of His friends, isn't it? It's all because His friends would do anything to get Him to Jesus. They are kind of the... They, they get put in the background a little bit in this story, don't they? And yet their role was very vital. They led this man to Jesus. And so what are we taking away from them? It's an incredible story, but what are we learning from these four guys? Well, number one, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. That's what these people did, right? These four men would do anything to lead their friend to Jesus. Think about everything they did. They first of all carried this man. Who knows how far they carried him, but they carried him. When they got to the house, they saw all the people there and they didn't just give up. They thought outside the box and said, we're going to dig through the roof. They dug through some stranger's roof until they could lower this man down. They would do anything to get that man to Jesus. And that's what we want to do too. That's the attitude we want to have. People are dying every day who don't know Jesus. People are dying every day who are still trapped in their sins, trapped in guilt, and they're going to hell. I just read this week, uh, it's actually a pretty sad stat. It breaks your heart a little bit. Every year, there are 1.2 million dogs euthanized and 1.4 million cats euthanized. Breaks your heart a little bit, doesn't it? You, you kind of just get this feeling of, I wish I could do something. I wish I had money to adopt them all. I wish I had a place to adopt them all. There are 55.3 million people die every year. 55.3 million people die every year. 151,000 die a day. There are 7 billion people on earth, 2 billion Christian. How many people are dying still trapped in their sins? Still who don't know Jesus. Who don't know of the free forgiveness that He offers. A lot. And you have the gospel message. You have this powerful message to free them, to be the hero and lead them to Jesus who forgives all sins. But how do we do it? Because let's be honest, driving down the street with a megaphone saying Jesus loves you probably isn't going to do the trick. So how do we do it? How do we lead people to Jesus? Well, we are going to bear some burdens Notice these four men, they probably weren't just 
random people carrying this paralyzed man. They were probably friends of this man. They were in this guy's life. They lived with the man. They prayed with the man. They hurt with the man. So much so that they would do anything to get him to Jesus. You see, if we want to lead people to Jesus, we need to get into people's lives. That's why outreach is so hard. That's why evangelism is so hard. Because it takes time. It takes effort. It's not simply knocking on someone's door and saying, have you been saved? No. It's getting into people's lives, bearing burdens, doing life together. It's when your next door neighbor has a loved one who passes away. We don't just say, hey, I'm really sorry, I'm praying for you. But we get into their life. We write them a card. We make them a dinner. We invite them to go out to lunch. We check in on them. When a loved one passes away, for that first week, everyone's checking in on on you. But then after that first week, everyone goes back to their daily routines while you, who who lost the loved one, continue to hurt for months and maybe years. We bear those burdens with those people. We get into their lives. The same is true with joyous occasions, right? When your next door neighbor has a baby. Get into their life. Make them a meal. Congratulations. When your neighbor loses her job, you offer to pick up the kids so that, from school so that she can go to a job interview. Maybe you make them a meal. Maybe you actively help her look for jobs. We bear burdens. Why? Because when we bear burdens, what does that do? It gives us the ability and the right to speak. When they realize that we actually care, that we actually love them, it will give us the right to speak. And we can say, hey, I know Jesus, and He can help you. And then what's it become? It's not, hey, we have church at 9.30, I hope you come. It's, hey, church is at 9.30, I'll be there to pick you up at 9 o'clock. We'll go together, I'll take you. And sure, they might come for the wrong reasons at first. They might come because they think that their marriage is going to be fixed or God's going to bless them with a whole lot of money. Maybe. But what are they going to hear when they get here? Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. So we're going to bear burdens. We're going to break some cultural rules. Do you think it was culturally acceptable to go and dig through someone's roof? Probably not. And yet they were willing to do it because they would do anything to get that friend to Jesus. So what cultural rules are we going to break? Well, what's the saying? If you want to keep friends, don't talk politics and religion, right? We're going to break the ladder. We're going to talk religion. We're going to talk about Jesus. And yes, it might be awkward, but guess what? If we don't, that person is still trapped in their sins. They still don't know of the forgiveness that God offers. We're going to knock on doors because that person behind the door is a soul that Jesus died for. And that's still trapped. And so we're going to reach out. We're going to break those cultural rules to reach people. And finally, the last thing we're going to do is we're going to do right here. And that is we're going to identify someone who needs Jesus. If we just go out thinking to ourselves, we're going to go out and we're going to reach uh, the pe- people who don't know Jesus. We're never going to do it because it's, there's too many. But picture in your mind right now someone in your circles, maybe even write down your worship folder, 
Someone in your circles, your friends, your family members who don't know Jesus. And now what steps are you going to take this week to lead them to Jesus? Maybe it starts real easy. You simply share the daily prayer that we post on our Facebook page every day so that it shows up on their newsfeed. Maybe you actually invite them to church. Maybe you invite them to family Bible night this Friday. Maybe you invite them to the women's dinner in October so that they can start meeting other women here at church and feel more comfortable coming here. What steps are you going to take to lead that people to Jesus? God and we. God has sent us out on a mission to seek and to save the lost and He promises to go with us. He promises to go with us with His powerful word of forgiveness of sins and life eternal. He sends you out to be the hero. To take someone who is trapped in the fires of hell and lead them to the safe arms of your Savior. Someone has done it for you. Now we get to do it for someone else. God be with you this week as you go out on His mission. Amen. Please stand. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You for the gifts and abilities that You've given us. We thank You for the people that You have led into our lives. We ask that You be with us as we spread Your message and we lead people to You. Amen.